So today, finally, we're getting to a teaching that I feel like we've been talking for forever and a day, and today we are talking about confessions of a veteran's pastor's kid. Um, what I wanted to do, and it was going to be a one-week uh, one teaching three weeks ago, and then, of course, that was the day we had no power here. So I was concerned today and very excited when I walked in the building this morning to turn a light switch and lights actually came on. So we're kind of ahead of the game. What I want to do for the next two weeks, and I'm going to take this week and my brother Jonathan is actually going to take next week. We want to share some stories with you guys about growing up as pastor's kids. I am, of course, British, so I was very excited a couple of weeks ago when the Queen celebrated her 70th anniversary. And I was thinking to myself, how exciting that must be to be doing something for 70 years. Then I realized, there is one thing I have been doing for 50 years. Because every single second I have been on this planet, I have been a PK, which is a pastor's kid. My parents this year will celebrate 52 years in ministry, so pastor's kid is all I know. And so what we wanted to do for the next couple of weeks is just share some stories. We wanted to share some stories to help and encourage those of you who are raising kids. Now, believe it or not, we are not going to roast our parents for two weeks, okay? Sorry. In fact, probably the actual opposite. Today, I want to honor my parents by sharing some of the things that they did with me when I was growing up, hoping that it might help some of you as you raise your kids. Now, I said the other week, even if you do not have kids at home, every single person in here is still raising kids. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, step-parents, godparents, friends. And as part of the Genesis family, I already told you, there's two rooms of kids right next door who are all our responsibility as their family. Let me just quickly address two sets of parents, though, before I start this morning. The first set of parents I want to address is for some of you whose kids are older and are nowhere spiritually. And this morning, it's like they're, they're spiritually lost at this point. And I want to remind you of something, because there's a very good chance at some point this morning and at some other points that the devil whispers in your ear and says, they're never going to come back to Christ, or they're never going to be there. It's not going to happen. It's too late. And today I want to remind you of this. On Father's Day, it's quite apropos for me to tell you, the Bible describes the devil as the father of all liars. Okay? So anything he is whispering in your ear about your child this morning, you say, get behind me. I'm not going to believe you. It's not true. I want to tell you a quick story. In here today, there is a father and a son. They're in their 80s and their 50s, respectively. Sorry, guys. Helps with my story. And I asked, it's, it's not been a long-term thing that they've sat together in church. It's been quite recent. Because the son came back to faith about 18 months ago. And I asked the father recently, I said, how long did you pray for your son? And here's what he told me, and some of you need to listen to this today. He said, I came to faith a little later myself. He goes, I prayed for my son 
for 41 years. 41 years he kept praying. And I love the next sentence he said to me. He said, and he won't be the last. I'm going to see the rest of them here too. Keep praying. Keep believing. While your child still has breath in their lungs, God still has a plan and he has a purpose. And the devil is a liar. And the lights are still on, so this is a good day. Okay, second one. For some of you, you're going to hear some of the things that Jonathan and I say over the next two weeks. And you're going to be like, I wish I could do that, but here's my dilemma. You are either married to a person who does not share your faith, or you are divorced from a person who may not share your faith, and you only have your kids at certain times. And you say, you know what, I wish I could do the things that you're talking about, but I don't have all of that control. The little girl who was in that picture up there just now, the little pastor's kid, had no idea that divorce would ever be a part of her story. None whatsoever. So for one second, let me take off the PK hat and let me put on the hat of the woman whose husband left her and pretty much his faith at the same time. Because I know exactly what you're feeling and what you're going through. And I want to tell you this. You control what you control. You stand firm when you can stand firm. You do not compromise your values and your beliefs. Will it be hard at times? Yes, it will. Will you feel like the bad guy at times? Yes, you will. Will you be called the bad guy at times? Yes, you will. But here's what I can tell you further down the road than you may be this morning. When your child has things come up in life, when problems arise, when they are facing forks and roads and they're not really sure which way to go, they are going to call or text, and I can pretty much guarantee this, the parent who can say, I'll pray for you. The parent who says, you know what, there's a scripture here, I was just thinking about that, let me just share that with you. And here's what I can tell you this morning. My son is older now, he's married, he has his own family. This morning I did not have to yell 92 times that he needed to get up because it was time for church. And even though I worried the weekends he wasn't with me as to what he was doing, He's not with me all the time now. And where is he this Sunday morning? Right there. Parents, control what you can control. Stand up for what's right when you can stand up for what's right. And you leave the rest to God. You do what you need to do like God take care of the rest. So what I wanted to do this morning, there's a very good chance this two-part sermon is going to be a three-part sermon by uh, the time we are, uh, we'll see how it goes. What I want to do this morning is basically, I just want to share some random thoughts that I had with regards to growing up. Now, I'm not saying I'm a perfect person and I've turned out perfect, okay? I am not saying that my parents were perfect parents and they would say the same were they here today. But here's what I want to share is, there are some things they did with us that I know are things that set us up 
and God is on the right path, so that when we were older, that was what we did, and that was what we followed. Here's the first thing in our house. We always knew that the main thing was the main thing. There was absolutely never a question in our household that we were a house that followed God and that we stood on everything that was said in here. From our earliest days, I remember that every day, we would start the day with family Bible, and that we would end the day with, we each, Jonathan and I, each had devotional books that when we were younger, my parents did it with us before we could read, and then we would do them ourselves. That was every day. See, here's the thing. My parents knew from an early age that as I grew, as I matured, as I developed, as I made choices for myself, as I made decisions, the greatest source of help and wisdom that I could possibly get was going to be found from God and his word. They knew exactly what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. Your word is like a lamp that guides my steps, a light that shows the path I should take. Now, here's the thing. They also knew that kids don't always make the best decisions if they are left to make the decisions, okay? We once had a hamster who was called school bus because we let somebody name the hamster. Hamster school bus was our hamster. And if you ask most kids what do they want to eat, they will tell you the same thing over and over and over again. And we all know as adults that mac and cheese three times a day, seven days a week, is probably not the thing that's going to help you grow the most. So my parents knew that we would need a little nudging and a little guidance when it came to spending time in God's Word. So here's the thing. Every morning, family Bible reading. Now, I, of course, did not grow up here. I grew up in a little village on the northeast of Scotland. And the thing with that village was, until I was in sixth grade, we walked to school. The school was in the village that I um, grew up, where we lived at the time. It was about a half a mile from our house. We walked there every single day. Our house kind of was the house where everybody got together, and then we all kind of went together to go to school. So here was the problem. Every time our friends would come, we'd go to leave, and somebody, one of my parents, would say, wait, we still got to read the Bible. Now, right now, you're about to think I am a complete heathen, and maybe I was, but we didn't really love doing that in front of all our friends. It was kind of embarrassing. All your friends come to meet you, and it's like, yep, our parents say we all have to read the Bible before we go. But see, here's the thing that only PKs will understand. It wasn't so much the Bible reading that was the issue. It was the possibility of what could come next. A sermon? Telling stories about you? Or was an altar call on the morning menu for that day? So we didn't really, really love the fact that every morning when our friends came, so we kind of came up with a plan, Jonathan and I, now, hopefully the Statue of Limitations is up by this point, so I will confess how plans with Jonathan and I usually went. Jonathan is two years younger than me, so I was a little bit older, a little bit wiser. So I knew not to get my actual hands on any plans. I tended to be the brains. He was the muscle, okay? 
So if we had a plan, usually I wanted nothing to do with the execution of the plan because it was like, then I can say, I didn't know what he was doing, okay? So we came up with a plan. So one morning our parents say, uh, we all have to read the Bible. And Jonathan in his best voice said to my parents, uh, we were wondering, Charlotte and I have been reading the Bible ourselves. Um, we found a verse in the Bible that really, really spoke to us. And we were thinking maybe this morning, if you wouldn't mind, that we could share that and that could be our Bible reading. Now, at that point, I'm sure my parents heard all of the heavenly choirs and thought, praise the Lord, maybe they actually will go to heaven after all. <laughs> and so they said, sure, no problem. So Jonathan opened his Bible, said, John 11:35, Jesus wept, goodbye, we will see you later. <laughs> So we were then told we were no longer allowed to have a verse. We had to read a chapter. Oh, that's okay. You, you make kids sit in church for hours, which is PKs we do, with nothing but a pew Bible. Okay, fine. We'll read a chapter. Psalm 117 says, there you go. That's a chapter. See, here's the thing. At the time, I really, really was not into the fact that we had to read the Bible every morning, as you can tell. But in the years that followed, that foundation of spending time in the Bible has helped me through everything that life has thrown at me. And there are still times when I recall the verses that I learned. Now, you may wonder why, and to the young guys here, I'm about to prove how old I am. Until I was about 11, there only was the King James Version of the Bible. NIV came out when I was about a teenager. So any verse that I recall that is King James Version, I know it's one of the verses that I learned back there. And believe it or not, there's a lot of them still come to mind. See, my parents knew that there was no better foundation no better education, no better course that I could take than spending time daily in God's Word. And I am sure that there was never a morning where my parents woke up, opened their eyes, and said, oh, great, let's argue with two kids about reading the Bible today. Let's see if we can actually destroy their reputation in front of all their kids. Let's make sure that they are miserable and embarrass them as much as possible. I'm sure they didn't do any of that. But here's the thing, they also didn't capitulate. They didn't give in to us at any point. They knew what they knew from their vantage point in life. They knew what they knew from their perspective, that any time we spent in God's word was going to be a game changer for us as we got older. But I'm sure that they weren't always thrilled at the fights that followed. Which leads me to my second point. We didn't always agree with the choices our parents made for us. I can actually say that now, I'm a little bit older. See, here's the thing, and again, this I can only say because I've got older too. A parent's role in life, I see Jace left for this, so that's a good thing, is not to make sure that your child is happy, okay? It's not your role in life to make sure they are happy and content 
all the time. Your role in life is to provide for them, to nurture them, and to guide them in the best ways that are possible. And so they would make choices for us that we didn't agree with. But again, they did not give in to us. Times have changed, but it's a good thing to learn. Just because we were born as pastor's kids, it was not a genetic condition that every Sunday we would wake up and go, woohoo, it's time for church today. <laughs> we were teenagers too back in the day, okay? And so there were struggles for them to get us to be there. But here's the thing. There came a point where we pretty much realized we were wasting our breath. Because when it came to things in our house, there were certain things that were non-negotiable. That was it. We shut it down. And church was one of those things. I remember I was in about sixth grade, I guess. I was pretty good at um, sports. I, I enjoyed sports. And uh, a couple of sports I was really good at, which you don't really play as much over here. Netball was, was one of the sports I was good at. Um, it's kind of like basketball, but the ball can't touch the floor and you can't move with it. But apart from that, it's like basketball. Not really. Um, and badminton. I was really good at badminton. And in fact, in sixth grade, I got this opportunity where I could go and play in our regional um, championship. Regional would be state championship here. Uh, Scotland is divided into regions. And so I got this opportunity. I could go play in the regional championship. But I didn't. And here's why. It was on a Sunday. And that was a non-negotiable. Now, right now, some of you are sitting there going, whoa, they were tough. They were tough, okay? Don't be fooled by Mr. My nice Guy, okay? <laughs> he can be tough. But here's what they also knew. And let's just play out the hypothetical, because it would be a complete. Say I went and I won that regional. Say then I won national. Say I represented Great Britain in competitions. They knew there was nothing I could achieve in the world of sports that would have helped me to have the foundation that has helped me, like going to church in the Bible has. No NFL contract, no NL MLB contract, no Olympic gold medal is going to benefit our children in the long run. And you may say, well, it was just one Sunday. It tends to become a slippery slope. And so Sundays were, we spent time in God's word. In the book of Mark, and it's not on the screen, it says this. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loseth his soul? Okay? You can do whatever you can do and become the sport rock star. But it, none of it is going with you when you pass to the other side. What will it profit a man? Let me just say this when it comes to church going too. The non-negotiable thing did not change when I became a preteen and a teenager and could stay home by myself. And I want to encourage you as parents. It doesn't change that day. Until the day I left home to go to university, every Sunday, 
come rain or shine, and I realize I am in a slightly different situation because I was a PK. But every Sunday, church was what we did. And we did a lot of church on a Sunday. We were, I'm talking three or four services, so, right? But church was what we did until the day I went to university. Do you know where I was on the first Sunday that I went to university? Church. Church. And church sustained me through university and gave me a framework for getting through university. In my first semester at university, my best friend, who I was inseparable from, suddenly passed away, 17 years old. If I had not been in church and had those people around me to guide me and to comfort me and to come alongside me, I honestly don't know if I would be here today, and that's the honest truth. But it was the framework of what my parents, the choices I did not agree with at the time, but the choices that they made for me. And it wasn't just church. There were places I was not allowed to go, even though all my friends were going. There were things that I wasn't allowed to do, even though my friends were doing them. And I was not happy about it at the time, but in hindsight, I see where a lot of my friends are now. And I wonder, and it all came down to my parents had to be tough, tough with me, but they also had to make the choices they knew I was not capable of making myself. Parents are the original life coach. Proverbs 22 says this, teach a child to choose the right path, and when he is older, he will remain on it. And let me just say this to you also. Our parents' choices, my parents' choices, are having implications for generations to come. The choices that they made hasn't just stopped with them. They're letting the side down today, but usually when my parents are here, there are four generations of Blackmores in this building on a Sunday. And it wasn't that my parents, either of them, grew up in a Christian home. They didn't. They were both first, the first person in their families to get saved. But they also knew this. Deuteronomy 6. Always remember these commands that I give you today. Be sure to teach them to your children. Talk about these commands when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. See, here's the problem. If our faith isn't important to us, how is it go that going to affect how our kids raise their kids? I talked before about the trickle-down effect. If I'm their kid, my kids are used to just being in church once in a while or just seeing an open Bible once in a while or we pray once in a while, what do you think is going to happen when they get to leave and they, they get to make the choices? How much of a priority is church going to be to them if it wasn't a priority growing up? And the problem is, the danger is, the habits and actions that are going to strengthen them sustain them, help them find their way in a crazy world are going to get watered down as the generations follow. Parents, we got to stand firm. we got to stand up for what we believe. we got to stand up for what is right. We have to model behaviors for our kids that are going to sustain them as they grow up. 
Finally, let me just quickly say this. We were always watching our, kids, our parents. One thing about growing up in a pastor's house is that you get the inside view of the life of a church and of a pastor. And here's, let me tell you this. Christians aren't always nice. Sorry, newsflash, in case you didn't know. And oftentimes, the pastor tends to be who they aim their ire at, or their complaints at, or what they're not happy about with. And so growing up, Jonathan and I would see our parents dealing with people who didn't agree with things that were happening in the church. And sometimes it was stupid stuff like carpet colors, but you would have thought it was like the end of the world as we know it. We saw people that we knew my dad had poured himself into, basically ghost him. People we know he'd spent late nights with or early mornings with or got up in the middle of the night to be with, then turn around and be pretty nasty and mean to him and say things about him. We saw and heard crazy rumors. We saw and heard it all. And to be honest, that's a reason why a lot of PKs aren't where I am today. Because a lot of PKs get hurt and get torn to shreds because they see what happens with their parents. And I love this church because for the most part, we are so the opposite of that. We all love each other and I see how you treat my family and my dad. And I really, really appreciate that. But here's what we also saw growing up, Jonathan and I. We saw my parents as they'd get off the phone with people who had torn them to shreds. And we'd see two people who never wavered in their faith, who never lowered themselves to the level that they were attacked at, who loved when love was the last thing that was being shown to them, who never plotted revenge, or if they did, they never verbalized it. It was just a thought, and you know what? Sometimes we, right? We got to see all of that. And here's what I want to remind you of this morning. Titus 2.7 says this, In all things, you yourself must be an example of good behavior. Parents, whether your child is home with you or your child is not around anymore. Adults who come in contact with other children. Here's what I want to remind you of this Sunday morning. They're watching. They're watching. In all things, you yourself must be an example. What did that mean to me as a kid? It meant that I knew that my parents weren't just play, paying lip service when it came to their faith. It meant that I knew that during dark times, it was something that they clung to, and as dark times have hit me as I've got older, I've known where to turn exactly when things may not be going. It meant that I knew that they trusted everything that they were teaching me. It wasn't a case of do as I say, not as I do. They were doing and saying. And parents, today I want to encourage you, be doing and saying the things that are going to help your children grow in the faith, that are going to help them to develop, that are going to help them to make the right choices. For those of you whose kids are not home anymore, here's what I want to remind you. They're still watching you. And they're looking to see what you are doing. Because I know that one day they're going to turn around and say, who can I talk to? 
I know I can talk to the person whose faith is their bedrock, is the thing that they rely on. I can talk to the person who I know spends time in God's word and may know some of the things that are going to help me and guide me. Parents, your kids are watching you. So what are you doing that's going to raise up this generation to be the light in a very, very, very dark world? If children are God's best gift, what are we as the next generation doing to ensure that Satan does not get his claws in them? What are we doing to ensure that they can be a light in a very, very dark world? Let's pray.